Welcome to episode 22 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross, along here with my partners, Rich Greenfield and Walter Pysik. How are you guys today? That's the voice that I've been using for my Light Shed Research Podcast, Brandon. <laughs> I, I I channel I, my inner, what was that? Saturday I do not Live have skit? a voice for radio. <laughs> I was trying I to like be a radio I do like a hushed tone. Remember that thing from Saturday like Night Live? Like or those a very, two, yeah. a very soothing voice. You know, so on Wednesday night, I was listening um, to your favorite app, Walt Clubhouse. I was on. I not my favorite app. And but go I on. know <laughs> we could discuss that in a minute. And I was in a room called the Cotton Club, where it was a jazz room and you had to change your picture to be an old sort of um, jazz musician. And so I, who did you make yourself I, into? I, I, I used Django Reinhardt, but they play, just play jazz music. And, and do people talk really, over the jazz music? No, it's, it's, it's uh, not high fidelity, obviously <laughs> music because it's just not, you know, great sound on that anyway. And you just listen. And every once in a while, like one of the hosts will be like, so, Brandon, you want a drink from the bar? And it's like, you're, <laughs> you're kind of like pretending um, that, you know, it's not COVID and you're like in a jazz bar. So this is like it. audio. So this is audio cosplay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, is that that's essentially what you just described? No, it, what this what I want to say is it's just a safe space on Clubhouse a safe, safe and not all of the rooms are a safe space, Brandon. No, not all the rooms are a safe space. Most of the rooms on clubhouse are taken up by, <clears throat> how do I put this? Self important, um, Bay area tech types. I would call it the worst of, of tech. Twitter is, <laughs> pr- is probably, uh, and it, it actually can be anxiety inducing, or sometimes you're just like, what are they even talking about? And it's like, am I stupid or something? Then you're like, nah, they're just trying to sound like. I was in a room where FCC Commissioner Carr was there, and there was still a person there that felt like they wanted to talk more about themselves when you had a sitting commissioner <laughs> sitting in the, yeah. in the room. I mean, that's, I think that's like 93% of, of the audience on Clubhouse. But. I don't know. I went in the other. I, I went in the other day, and Michael Sugar, who is you know anonymous, he was a big time producer, anonymous content. I actually went to college with him. He was hosting a room, and it was just like a open discussion. Like it's just sort of, it's sort of interesting how like you, you stumble upon random people yeah, in some the of ser- these rooms. Dude, the serendipity of it, not just the people that you come across. This is a positive on it, right? Not just the people you come across but also some of the different rooms. Like last night, again, not that I'm like really going on this app much, but, but I was, couldn't sleep and I was listening to um, some streetwear designers just talk about kind of what they're doing in COVID and struggling with um, getting into big box retailers and sort of the not abandoning their authenticity and stuff. I would never, ever like pick up a podcast that these guys were on, but I just happened to stumble into a room, into a conversation that was interesting, even though I knew little about it. So for our podcast listeners that might not know what we're talking about, this is a new app, a social media app, I guess we'll call it. It's just non-recorded rooms where people by invite only 
um, are coming in. And, and once you're in, you can you can join any room. There's a lot of high profile or, tech or create and, your own, right? You anyone can create their own, sure. own room. There's a lot of high tech file, te- high profile tech and media people there. I think Taylor Lawrence actually wrote it up because there was some controversial things said on it at one point. Um, a lot of the conversations are them just talking about <laughs> uh, talking about the app itself, which is kind of meta. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, but I was on last night and people were playing through the Biden town hall. And then during all of the commercial breaks, rather than watch the commercial breaks on TV, they turned off the sound and they actually had a discussion about each section of the debate, which I thought was actually an interesting format um, relative Sounds to like watching Rich it on TV. A fan. So when are we, we need to start our own room at a certain we time. Could, I, I thought about that. Uh, we could just, I mean, it's very easy. At any time, but you can also just schedule it and create a little and, mini club. And, yeah and start and start the room we could do similar stuff to this on club there are not a lot of rooms though at any given time though i don't think we're important enough guys no but but have you guys noticed are there ever more than six or seven live rooms like i've never seen no but how many people are on it even now right it's still in i have no idea still pretty nascent right yeah Um, i feel cool though (laughs) yeah uh-huh. Uh, I anyway. did. I did ask Commissioner Carr if <laughs> I did ask Commissioner Carr not to jump ahead in our topics, um, whether he was a user of TikTok or not. Um, Carr, as you may know, is very anti-China in a lot of his um, recent <laughs> discussions. He claimed that he wasn't, um, and then someone else obviously jumped in and started talking about something completely different <laughs> about their own lives. Okay, should we get started? Yes. Okay. No. Tweet number one: We've got NFL ratings this week. Oh, I guess uh, NFL's we back. We are getting started. We got it. Let's get going. We got NFL ratings. We're pretty much down across the board. The Fox afternoon game had a nice 8% increase, but basically every game slot uh, from Thursday through Monday was down. A lot of the game slots down dramatically, which is sort of surprising because a lot of the games were good. I mean, Fox wasn't the evening games were and, and CBS was. Well, that's a lot of the games. That's a lot of it. Yeah, I guess. Maybe Fox viewers just maybe Fox outperforming. It, maybe like, maybe the Fox viewers last year too, even though everything was up. Maybe it's because the Fox viewers are just not triggered by a lot of the social media stances that are playing out on the uh, on the uh, on the athletic fields, Brandon. I don't know if it is the uh, the whole that piece of the politics. I guess someone posted to Twitter that they thought because because people were watching so much more. Um, cable news that that could be taking away from the audience. And I actually think that that could be contributing. We've seen this in election cycle years before. Right. It happened four years ago. It, it definitely happened four years has, ago. Yeah. Has had down years. Um, other highly politicized years besides elections that's happened. And then of course there's, we've talked about this before, but there's court cutting and you know, besides the games that are exclusive to cable, NFL Network, um, or ESPN, Thursday, Monday night, um, not uh, that many people who have cut the cord also have an antenna, I think. Uh, I've also been just thinking about the idea that, you know, we've all over the last six months, you know, streaming has exploded, right? Like everyone, all these streaming platforms are launching. There hasn't been a lot on traditional television outside of, you know, the sports that have come back now. And how many people have just started, you know, embracing and bombing through 
deep catalogs, whether it's Netflix or HBO Max or yeah, what, that, Peacock, whatever. That's a, continu- does it just- that's a continuation uh, of a trend. Cord cutting is a continuation of a trend. And then you have um, COVID and the heated political stuff that has happened this year, which is not an every year occurrence. Maybe right. even more surprising, though, than the NFL being weak is college sports basically being revived from the dead. I mean, we've been talking on this podcast for weeks that there was going to be essentially very little college football. And it looks like by the end of October, knock on wood, it looks like every single conference is going to start playing. Um, in honor of my brother, go blue. And are you really excited to to see Harbaugh on the sidelines? I hate Harbaugh. Whining, I'll, I'll, whining I'll and complaining that. about you know, every every no, call I, that's out there. I, I honestly don't like him. I didn't like him when he was the <laughs> when he was the Niners head coach. And uh, I don't know. I have to kind of pull for Michigan, um, but I'm problem. not excited to watch them this year at all. It's also going to be a very weird season, right? Shortened seasons, only, you know, conference games. Like it's, this is definitely not, not going to be your normal college football season. And Rich, it, just it, get some sports on the screen to let me watch for an escape. And that's all we have. I that's hated all we watching need. all this. these people that are not I watching. I don't know what's wrong. I with don't you. know. Well, I tried to watch the NFL. I tried to watch the Giants game on Monday night and I watched the whole thing. I was bored out of my mind. That could just be because. <laughs> You know, it's it's big blue. That was a decent game, and I well, think when they zoom in on the when they zoom in on the field, um, I think it, there's the escapism that that works better with that than yeah. certainly with baseball. Uh, firstly, and then second, um, these stadiums that are that are adding twenty percent, twenty two percent of the fans into the stadium, like seems to be working. I mean, have have you seen a COVID outbreak from Kansas City from last Thursday? And if not, like you have fans. First of all, you wouldn't. Bro, you wouldn't know yet. Right. Okay. You wouldn't know yet. It's been a week. Well, I'll give it another week. Do you expect to see a no, COVID outbreak I, in Kansas City? But, but I agree with you, Walter. I mean, these are outdoor games, right? You get people outdoors wearing masks. That shouldn't be any kind of a spreader event. Was there a major breakout after the the peaceful protest occurred? Then, when people were wearing masks, and now nope. you're in a stadium and you're requiring that's, masks. That's right. And outdoor. you're outside outdoors now there was um the what was what's that biker event in like south dakota that did cause that was a super spreader event and did cause Bikers? yeah like, like a, bicycling or like motorcycles like a know, biker like, you know like harleys or whatever oh i'm gonna call an audible what? Uh, because I well, I, I'm going to call an audible on our lineup today because we're talking about sports coming back and Walt's talking about how you know just give me some sports. The one of the big beneficiaries of sports coming back is this push into sports betting, and we had some pretty big news this week. I mean, DraftKings and Caesars signing co-exclusive partnership with ESPN, and so we've actually got a picture um, that actually got released by DraftKings of what this is going to look like. And so when you go into the ESPN mobile app, for you that are watching, but I'll describe it for everyone that's listening to this on the podcast, you open up the ESPN mobile app and you see uh, games that are coming up tonight or whenever the next day. And you can, you'll literally see that upcoming wagers are shown and you can look this in case it's, uh, Denver versus LA in basketball. And you highlight what bet you want to make, whether it's the money line or the spread or the over under, whatever it may be. And you just click bet now, and it's going to link you out directly to bet to DraftKings If you're in a state that allows sports betting, 
seems like a pretty big deal for for both ESPN and DraftKings. We don't know the economics. No one's commenting right now. Yeah. Uh, and at the but same it, time, we've got Barstool launching their betting app. Barstool Sportsbook is going live in Pennsylvania. We got an advanced beta access to it this week, and we're going to have yes. Portnoy on Lightshed Live next week. But this kind of war for your sports betting dollar yep. is, is going to be really interesting to see who wins. Like, how does a consumer choose where they bet? Um, uh, first well, time the Bears will tell you based on who who has the best promotions at the time. That's sort of the like race to the bottom thesis of the Bears. And the Bulls will tell you, uh, or the Penn Bulls will say, because they'll follow Portnoy's army and and the brand and the Barstool brand. And the DraftKings ones will say, oh, superior UI, UX, so on and so forth. And um, so we don't really know yet. So we really don't know the answer. Platform. And, and the honest answer is we don't know the answer um, at all. And uh, that's what makes a market, I guess. And we'll see in time. Right now, though, uh, both DraftKings and Penn stocks continue to just go up every fucking day. It's crazy. I think um, like this launch of the app was such a big catalyst. Everyone knew it was coming and pretty much knew when. And the launch of the app has been such a catalyst. The stock's been up like 7% every day this week. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, markets aren't that efficient. Well, it, it also helps though, You know, going back to the last slide when you, know, you think about college sports, college sports is the second biggest bet on. True. No, that's a good so, point. So that's a big deal too, right? No. Like we didn't know, you know, Big Ten actually greenlighting. Albeit, albeit, Rich, that's a one-year thing, right? And sure. the amount of markets that even have online sports betting or, I mean. It's still tiny. It's tiny. And the Barstool app is going to be beta in one market. So I don't think that's probably um, necessarily what, what was driving that up. Far what do you bigger think of the t- app itself? I mean, it's not special compared to any of the other ones. Look, so far, the only difference... But they did offer $500. So I'm going to be in Philly next weekend, and I'm going to bet $500. The only difference so far is it has Dave Portnoy's picture on it, right? Like the Barstool brand. Uh, I think that's the only noticeable difference is that it's Barstool branded versus DraftKings or FanDuel. It's it's or Foxbet or whatever. There's no obvious, you know. I'm not sure. Bet technologically, it's, it's not clear to me anybody has a meaningful advantage right now. And I know they all say that's they do, it, but that's I, what it's. Of course, that's what it seems like. Um, we'll and see. the other thing we have to say about that is from the ESPN Disney side, it's interesting because Iger kept saying, "In no way will." will the disney facilitate um bets and um well looks like they're facilitating so i don't know if that i directly directly facilitating yeah directly well this is pretty direct um so they they've certainly changed their tune i don't know if that says something about the importance of of sports betting to the the whole sports ecosystem or something about chapik versus Iger. Or, or what it means, but it's just interesting. Was, was there anything in the app, Rich, that integrated 
um, more than just a picture of Dave. Meaning, like, are they going to put little video clips? Because they do, they put, a, they produce. Barstool produces a ton of content that can be integrated in there that gets people juice. That they go into the app maybe to see a, um, a thirty second clip of some of the guys or women that were are producing something out of out of Barstool. You know, right now there is there, there's a Barstool Bets app. Uh, that has a lot of video content and other things. The sports book appears to just be to bet. The Barstool well, Bets app looks to have all of that, that come next week. And um, in terms of maybe they should drop a little bit of content in there. And that's another reason to come into the app. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question of like why there's a why there's a separate bets app from from the sports book other than the bets app lets you bet on Jenga and like, you know, things far beyond traditional sports you can bet on within the bets app also don't forget again this is only in one state so far so it's early and it it may be due to the regulation of this app but it has wider distribution um this is just editing they they produce tons of content to have some intern go in and snip out 20 seconds and drop it in and put it so it would be duplicated in both apps sure but that's fine yeah yeah. You can't you can't catch everything they say. So it's it's like adding a little TikTok. Whatever they're doing on By TikTok. By the way, drop that in TikTok today was amazing. The Nantucket yeah. one. Oh my God. They should put that you put that content in the betting sure. app. There you go. I'll go on that betting app every day. <laughs> okay, let's let let's talk Apple. Uh Apple finally rolled out Apple One Walt. Uh you know, I guess you've been talking about subscription or services being their focus, I assume this doesn't surprise you that this is the direction they're going. It's a typical plan for service. We all cover recurring revenue businesses and services. So this is one of those ways you try and lift someone to a higher ARPU um, as well as hopefully reduce the churn. On So you have perhaps a lot of mediocre assets within the bundle. Um, and it, they all one, look mediocre to me. <laughs> Well, I guess and then, cloud, you, and then you probably anything. have, yeah. <laughs> so you don't use cloud, Brandon? That must be fun. No, I, I said okay. I have to use cloud, right? Right. Um, I said other than cloud, I mean, Apple TV Plus has been mediocre. No one uses the games. No one uses news. Um, what's that other circle-y one there? Fitness. Fit hasn't launched. Oh, yet. fitness. God, that's a we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, there's no incremental cost to them to to offer these and they can get higher ARPU. So I guess it, it I guess it makes sense with Well, just think about it. But it. Right, but just think about it. They've got over 60 million. I mean, they haven't updated the numbers so we have no idea, but like last year they said they had 60 million subscribers to apple music and remember that counts everyone in the household as an individual subscriber so if you have three profiles on apple music you're three subscribers but still they've got 60 million subscribers who are paying 10 to 15 dollars a month and they're basically trying to use that base of 60 million plus to get them from 10 to 15 to 20 to 30 the 15s to 20 to 30 like it it seems like a pretty smart strategy to lever up the amount you can spend I'm not sure you're going to get any Spotify subscribers to switch over because that's such a large piece of it. But you know, you're certainly going to get Apple Music subscribers to spend a lot more money. I yeah, think that's with, without obvious. a lot of incremental costs, and they need to get. They're spending a bunch of money on content um, for Apple TV, and um, you know, I guess. 
free subscriptions are ending kind of November. Soon. Yeah, okay, November. November. So, uh, so would you rather have had Apple like buy a bunch of content or didn't we say from the beginning no, in terms I, I of Apple TV that it, it takes time to build out content? Obviously, COVID is, has created a challenge for a lot of content producers. And in terms of Apple Music, uh, while people on this call may not like it, 40% of the market happens to like it. And what's yeah. the penetration in the market? How many people actually have? know better. How many Apple? Yeah, they may not know Look, better, but they're still using I, it. How many people yes, were on I Sprint agree. for years? I know. <laughs> I mean, and, and when, first of when all, you say I, nobody, gonna... only Siths use absolutes. Nobody is not an accurate term. There are plenty of people that use each of these apps. So what is the market penetration in terms of You know, music, you know, we're hyperbolic here at LightShed. <laughs> yeah, but, no, 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 but, 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 but I'd stop you and go. I had to drop a Disney. Everybody. Reference, but I had to drop a Disney reference in there. <laughs> Yeah, but like it, when when you actually look at Apple TV Plus, they've actually had a lot of content that's actually done pretty well. I mean, uh, you know, w- w- I know everyone likes to talk about the morning show, but if you haven't checked out Ted Lasso, you definitely should. I mean, yeah, there, Ted, that is there are people watching Ted Lasso. Like Ted Lasso has more buzz. I, wa- like, I it, watched the morning show. It was cheesy, whatever. Greyhound, which is the movie they bought, I think from Sony, did very well. I mean, there's been a good amount what, of content. What I mean, does remember- very well even mean? Well, I'd say there's more content for an adult audience in year one on Apple TV Plus than there has been on Disney Plus. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, yeah, there hasn't. I mean, there's been. Well, Hamilton's kind of long, though. It is long. So are we counting by minutes or by actual programs? (laughs) Rich, what is the market share for the music business? Let me go back to that question that you may have avoided. Uh, So market share. Penetration. uh, Penetration. Penetration. My guess is is that when you look at, um, you know, there's probably seventy five ish million people that have a music subscription in the U.S. Mm-hmm. If you bring it down to households, the way you think about a, you know, kind of actual like penetration, it's probably, uh, you know, I don't know. My guess is you're looking at, um, you know, no more than forty to fifty million households, and so when you think about, you know, no, where probably, we all probably less, even less, probably even less. Yeah, right. Probably three per household. So you're probably looking at, you know, generally, you're probably looking at 40 percent penetration at most in terms of streaming music. And so there's a lot more homes to go for sure. Right. So if you go back historically in terms of any subscription model or even any consumer electronic device. Growth accelerates between this 20 to 80% penetration. So you could be in a period of acceleration. Clearly, I think you would point out that Spotify is having very good numbers, but um, the market is growing. So for Apple to figure out different ways to pull people in, maybe it's just because someone that doesn't have Spotify or Apple Music today does have some of these other mediocre apps that they're offering in that in that subscription. This provides them a way to Plus try cloud. it out. Everyone locks needs, them in. Everyone. By the way, cloud on cloud, let's not forget that they cut the price on cloud from twenty bucks a month to ten bucks a month on the two terabit service. So you could theoretically, you know, either increase the amount or increase the price in terms of what the perceived value is of that bundle. So what you're perceiving getting for free looks different if you assume that on a standalone basis for for two terabyte that you'd have to pay twenty dollars a month as opposed to ten dollars, which 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 is what it is today. Good point. There's, you know, the other piece of this is obviously going to play into, you know, what happens on the fitness side because that's the piece of the bundle. That's part of the premium part of the Apple bundle. They've never had a fitness product. Obviously, one of the biggest things that's happened during COVID, like forget about Peloton for a second, but 
every single fitness company is trying to build their own direct-to-consumer fitness business. Sort of interesting that Apple's trying to come into the market right in the middle of this and heavily tie it to Apple Watches. Uh, you know, we don't do we, we don't know how many watches have been sold to date, Walter. Do we? Like, do we have any idea how big that market is? Uh, I think we know on a global basis. I think my estimate was what is it here? Um, like a hundred million. Um, does that sound right? So it, it could easily be more north of twenty million in the U.S. I presume. Like that wouldn't be a crazy thing yeah, it's to probably say. North of a hundred million. Yeah, but, but look, the, the tweet that you're showing on the screen right now is from Peloton from their Twitter account saying, "Friendly competition is in our DNA." Welcome to the world of digital fitness. I mean, come on now. Well, the interesting thing I know. I mean, Apple's Walt's, a, Walt's a Peloton hater. Um, <laughs> I do have to say this because the same- he just needs to he he needs to take a Kendall ride and he would change his mind. <laughs> I've used the product, Rich. I'm a, of the elite that can that can at least afford it or know someone that can afford it. How's that market elite. size? Well, how much does the bike cost again? Uh, now it's great. a little under two, a little under two thousand now for that the for like the lower end bike. But can I can I say one thing? Sorry, Brandon. Please. Peloton had their analyst day um, at at the same time that Apple had their their I don't know what yeah, do you call yeah. that like product unveiling. Yeah. Okay. Is and that a defensive move or an offensive move? No, I, I, whatever I it was, it could, it could have been coincidental. But no. Oh, come thing, on. But no, one thing they not. did say is they're like, we don't even care about the Peloton app, that that, that like digital app piece of the business doesn't make money. We don't intend it ever to make money. And the entire opportunity is on connected fitness. Um, so they they kind of were just like, who gives a crap if if Apple comes in or not? Well, I also think Apple's not out. doing well, but I don't think Apple to Walt's point earlier. I'm not sure what Apple's going into the fitness app to make money discreetly if it enhances the bundle and it gets more people into yeah. that $30 bundle but, but and makes question, you, you know, are you more likely to take Apple music because yeah, there's a fitness yeah, yeah, product? Yeah. No, I, I fully understand that. But from a competitive standpoint with Peloton, the question that I'm asking you guys is: Does it does it even matter that Apple? Well, I, I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the market is for um, exercise bikes, and I hope never to have to understand that. But um, if Apple's there and they have an ecosystem for someone to use the Apple ecosystem to design on their bike, or just putting an iPad, I mean, <laughs> to, to claim that that doesn't do you, do impact you think hardware Apple's gonna is gonna have treadmills and bikes you know i take a totally I'm different like, i'm not gonna be like I'm what's face that was predicting I, the apple tv for how many years yeah, i don't know if they need to have hardware do they they don't make cars yeah. and apple music okay, guys no, 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 I, guys guys i would take a totally different take on this like think about what's happened in video more services has actually spurred the market and made people yep, more interested yep. in it. I was thinking. I actually that. think I think more people, yes. more competitors in the space, well funded, just gets more people thinking. Why do I need to go to a gym? There's so many great options to be at home, and I think it just drives you to spend more time working out at home. Which is, which, I mean, first of all, which basically makes you part of the target market for Peloton. Yeah, I, I just I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, remember how many years, Brandon, we were trying to defend Netflix? I mean, people would go, Rich, oh, I'm shorting Netflix because say, of Amazon. Say no more, Richard. It's a lot of dusty whatever. treadmills in people's basements. There's a lot of dusty rowing machines in people's basements. Fitness is not new. It just but spending a, 
But I think when you have a monthly subscription, it would be whether it's for me. Apple, but I think when you have a monthly subscription like Apple or Peloton, you're more likely to use it because you're paying for it regularly versus the bike, which you buy once and it just sits there and you forget about. I just think there's a little behavior part of it that does help. But let's talk about another battle. The other big battle this week uh, that just basically blew up this morning. We didn't even know it was going to blow up this morning is Roku versus NBC. So Roku basically sent an email to its customers saying that the NBC apps are coming down and off of its platform. Uh, They've been at an impasse for weeks, as we've talked about on this podcast before, about the Peacock app. And then NBC fired back. We're disappointed that Roku is removing users' access to these free apps. Uh, Again, all of these apps are theoretically free to download. You don't pay for these apps. The, The issue that everyone's running into here is Roku wants a cut of ad dollars and wants to sell NBC's inventory. The same issues playing out with HBO and HBO Max and that whole story. And we have the same battle right here. Uh, and I don't know what happens. I mean, this is this is a pretty bold this, move for Comcast. Yeah, this, this is interesting. I mean, this is affiliate battles 2.0. And Comcast seems to have larger ambitions beyond just making Peacock uh, successful and getting it wide distribution, including, as you predicted last week, Brian Roberts at conference this week talking about um, putting X1 on televisions. And yeah. again, they, they have the infrastructure um, to, to serve ads on connected uh, TV. So... I don't know what's going to happen here. It seems like NBCU is pretty dug in and Roku has to be dug in because this is their way to monetize. And this is the story. This is what their valuation is built on. Right. If they give in to anybody, the whole story collapses like a house of cards. So on the flip, on the flip side, you know, I talked to media executives uh, who are, you know, not at NBC or not at HBO max. And they look at this and go, you launch a direct-to-consumer app without the two largest platforms. They go, you know, these things are DOA because they're not on the platforms that people use. And how long can you wait to be on these platforms? Like it's uh, well, the so how- I mean, it, it depends how patient they want to be with those services in general, because that's not their bread and butter. Like, it, look at Peacock as as a piece of the overall. Comcast or NBCU, especially given that the ad deals that they have were fixed ahead of time um, for uh, for Peacock, and it's just a fart. But for Roku, it's everything. So, how long has it been since they haven't been on this platform? Because if this was supposed to pressure them to bend, exactly. So what? A so, of so the pressure clearly isn't working. The second thing I just want to bring up, Rich, because I don't quite understand it. I, you know, I've got this new TV in my deck, which is phenomenal. Anyone that doesn't what, watch TV what brand? outdoors, what brand? What brand? Who knows? Sony. It does. Doesn't matter. Sony, Samsung. I don't even know. Anyway, if you don't have a TV outside, I'd highly recommend getting one. It's a. It's is just it, a. It's a wonderful is it, experience. Is it an OLED wall? hundred percent. It's an OLED. Yes. Anyway. What are the nits like? <laughs> What I'm amazed about is I watch these programs through the apps, sports programs primarily, and you go to commercial and it's just dead. Like, we will be back to your programming shortly. I just don't understand how they cannot monetize that. I'm sitting there 
Dude, like, especially YouTube, during a football game, the only time I'm going to watch live TV is a football game, and you can't I, figure out how to drive that in there. Like, YouTube crazy. TV, it, which is Google YouTube, and every single commercial break, it's like, we will be right back with like right. the, the YouTube TV logo. What's going it's, on? Mark? Like, Why really? is that happening? And by the way, I miss the commercials because I'm like, I what, do I, what do I do with myself? There's yeah. no background noise. <laughs> exactly. part, part, part of the problem is, the usage of these apps is so infinitesimal in the scheme of the ad industry that some ad buyers don't really have interest in buying these products. They want to be on the mass reach platforms like TV and these digital apps that you're talking about. Yes, you guys are nerds and you're using them. The larger world is Speak not using those apps. Sorry, but like the usage of these apps is fairly small. And yeah, that's part of Mr. why you're seeing bundle, you're the one that, that was has been preaching for years about how that set top box is dead. And, and so if all that's if all that shit's dead, that's ultimately how you're going to view this stuff. Sure. So why wouldn't you want to be early? Well, and look, you know, if I go to the next slide, I mean, you know, that's essentially why if you think about part of what's going on here is that the team at HBO realizes that, you know, they're the advertising business from Turner is in trouble. Every brand is trying to get to connected TV. It's why Peacock, I mean, Brandon, you and I have talked about this. Linda Yaccarino has been so visible saying, I got demands for connected TV. I just don't have supply of, of connected TV spots. That's what HBO Max is going to do. It sounds like next year they're going to launch, you know, and Stanky previewed this when the product was first launching, but they're going to have an ad supported tier for HBO Max. Yeah. I don't think there's a this lot. Of, is, I don't think consumers want this, but obviously, well, I, I mean, why? Look, Rich, there are consumers out there who don't have HBO because it costs a lot of money. That aren't, you know, in New York, San Francisco, LA, working in our industry, so on and so forth, right? And so, and not AT and T wireless unlimited users which is 50% of their base because you can get it for free. Right. Good point. Good point, Walt. Um, But there are others out there and they want this to be by going from HBO to HBO Max, much broader reach um, platform. And it's integral to the success of, I guess, maybe the whole Warner acquisition. So and for T, I think you're hundred percent right, Brandon. They want to drive subscribers. That's why not to get off topic, but like or eyeballs in yeah, general. Getting rid of and, DT- and elevate the importance of of the platform. Right. Dump DTV and get the subs um cranking on HBO Max, which is which gets us back to the whole tenant thing. Like they should well, I'm not gonna read uh, that again that every well, podcast. You say sorry. The same thing every sorry. Podcast. sorry. I, I mean, I guess yeah. we all say a lot of the same things every podcast. Yeah, that's true. And you know, Reemphasizing themes, maybe, and we'll do it in a clubhouse room or something. Yes. The, really the, the, the only thing I'll say is the products that have ads. You know, if you look at Hulu, I think Hulu gets watched less, be in part because of the advertising experience. I think it's less. It's harder rich, to get rich. Hulu would have a lot less revenue. Would be a a bigger black hole. In, in terms of profitability and would have less relevancy if it wasn't for the ad supported tier. I also sure. feel like it's a gateway drug in terms of at some point that later, they'll, they'll get you to upgrade, you know, that or they'll charge a dollar or other shit to annoy you to get now you, that just like broadband moves you to higher rate plans on their, you know, for their speeds. Now that HBO doesn't mean what it used to mean in terms of being super duper premium, 
I'm not against this. Also, I would add, not to be the cynic here again, but you know that's my role kind of. Um, it's a subscriber. That's a subscriber <laughs> that's, that that's like two thirds of this group's role. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, met, metrics and, and you're of, saying, subscriber, sub, dude, subscriber metrics, subscriber metrics. That's just, just you know, <laughs> that is meaningful um, in this business for sure. As as we look at you know AT and T trying to build their ecosystem, which is what you're talking about for sure, we've got Google, which could play a role in this whole HBO Roku, NBC Roku battle. We've got Google coming out. This is the event we've been talking about for probably a couple of months. That you know, there's this new Chromecast coming out. It's going to be a fully functional set top box, so you won't need your phone to like cast anymore. Now you'll be able to have a fully functional experience on Chromecast. September 30th is the launch date, but it's not talked about here, but we also think there's a good chance that we'll see a new version of Android TV that really brings content-focused and starts to integrate a lot more of the, the Google experiences, Nest and others. And so this could be a very big event in this whole battle. And what's interesting, you know, guys, is that Google is actually not looking for you know, to take a share of NBC or HBO Max's advertising business. And so, you know, just where Roku sort of being in sense the bad guy or the one who wants to take a cut for providing their platform, here we've got Google actually playing, uh, we just want to grab market share. We want to, you know, we want to be your friend and we aren't going to take a revenue share on day one or want to sell your ads on day one. So just sort of an interesting positioning for Google as a company, you know, Google, you know, maybe sometimes is perceived as evil, in this case, they're playing the. Well, friend. they they are evil. They're just playing the long game. <laughs> just tell that to my friend who just signed up for YouTube TV, and then a week later they jacked him on price. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, but look, the bottom line as we put this all together is Roku is at kind of a fork in the road here. It's a this is a very very critical period for Roku, whether it's in these sort of affiliate battles or with. Various forms of additional. Um, uh, they need to win. They need to they, win. They need to win. And I mean, obviously, they they need to win right now. But I will say this: we've seen many, many times where the sort of tech giants have come in yep. and try try to um, encroach on the territory of an established incumbent who does mm-hmm. one thing really well and have failed. It's happened very many times yep. very very many and um and you know i'm not i'm not signing roku's death warrant quite yet well the maybe talking either. about death warrants oh death warrants. Uh, yeah. death warrants uh this might actually be appropriate brandon so uh we may not have tiktok in the app store uh i assume sunday morning i don't really know timing wise i mean uh, you know, that is I, September 20th, the very last day of summer. If I do a check right now, TikTok is sitting as the number three app in the iOS store uh, right now, at least under free apps. Really? It was number two when I checked earlier today. What's number what's one was Zoom. What's number two? I don't even understand it. Number two is color widgets, obviously tied what to apps? the new iOS 14. Oh, OK. So I guess people Never aren't panicked yet. But well, uh, given given the follower numbers that uh, a lot of these um, the top TikTokers get, maybe everyone's already subscribed to TikTok, and there's it doesn't really impact them to get new downloads. Well, look, they're, they're, 
the download pace is, I mean, number three in the app store is still pretty, <laughs> still pretty major. Good. So, you know, <laughs> let, let's, let's start with that. But uh, yeah. look, this has been a topic week after week. What is Trump going to do? And is he going to blink? Is he not going to blink? It looks like. I, actually, I don't know what it looks like. I actually really don't know. I mean, I I well, can't tell. We know whether for, we know for WeChat, right? <laughs> WeChat is gone. Well, it's, sure, it's but it's not gone yet. It's not. Sunday well, yet. it is on. Oh, come on. You think you think Trump is really going to announce this ban and then backtrack we at the last minute? Him. No All way. Right. Okay. Uh, at this point, no. WeChat is not in the top hundred apps, though, in the yeah. U.S. App Store. So there's a big difference we between banning. We looked at this earlier in the day, though, um, Walt and I. And Walt, what did you say? Like, there's like eighteen. I or I do, 19 according million to people? according to the Google, it says nineteen million. Um, I think WeChat it's daily users. Active, WeChat it, daily yes. active users. Yeah. Look, Jess uses it to. She's a fashion designer. She uses WeChat to communicate with. Um, her factories. My sister-in-law is a jewelry designer. She uses, right. but I have a friend that that has Chinese manufacturers. So some certainly there is some commercial use, whether it's everyone who deals with China. Um, I don't know. Well, it's um, definitely not everyone that deals with China because I have a friend that deals okay, with China. I understand. I, mean, I right. yeah, it's not everybody, but there is, you know. But a, it is a big. It is a huge and very important commercial app use in China. Right. So, and the so the question, question is, is, is there going to be retribution for getting shutting well, that down? And will China block that's a separate? That's a separate point. Right. And so my buddy that, that doesn't use WeChat actually uses iMessage. I was telling him, like, what if China, that China blocks iMessage or, you know, other of the Apple apps that are there? Right. There, you're WhatsApp theoretically could re- also be there. retribution. Yeah. What's that? I believe I've sure. just I've definitely I don't know what the usage is China. like, but yeah, no, I, I mean, WeChat's I, I huge. Um, yes, it's a, that's a big deal. The potential for retribution and trade war and well, what about know, this Epic and Riot game news too? On top of it, I mean, yeah. You know, so now it, they're so now they're gonna go there and they're looking at Riot, which is fully owned by Tencent, and they make League of Legends, which is an enormous um, free to free to play game and probably the leading esport. Uh, in the world and i don't know if that gets banned from the u.s um that's that's not good for 10 cent just to start off with um and i don't know you talked about retribution what that's going to mean in terms of retribution in china where the whole getting games approved process like everything else in media has been a big deal and all of the major publishers are eyeing China for a lot of expansion. I Strauss spoke at a conference. That sounds like the movie industry week. 10 years ago. Yeah, no, I know. Strauss spoke right? uh, at a conference this week and he's like, oh, I'm confident that, you know, one day we'll be able to really show the government it's not that big of a deal to have our games there. Da, 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 da. Um, and he has NBA 2K doing well there. And you look at what Activision's doing, Diablo Immortal, um, uh, cod mobile just being approved like these publishers you know are eyeing that market fifa does fairly well there so it, it should be interesting for the gamers additionally um there's stakes owned by tencent of 
you know, some of the other public um, gamers, including Ubisoft and Activision. I mean, that's real minority stakes. I don't know if that winds up, you know, kind of being on the market uh, if the administration gets aggressive or not. But it's it's something to watch for vis-a-vis those stocks. Walt, you want to walk us through AT&T? This is, uh, I think, what you've been talking about. Well, just this is breaking news uh, mid-podcast that AT&T's public policy group sent out a uh, blog, note, whatever you want to call it, just highlighting that T-Mobile's spectrum position is above the spectrum cap. That means, what's a spectrum cap? You can't own more than a certain percentage of the total amount of spectrum for one person. It's like it's preventing concentration. So a week or so ago, we we actually dug up a little... uh, seen filing that uh, Verizon made against T-Mobile effect on a, a similar issue. And then Verizon's brought this up and kind of highlighted that like maybe the big guys, now that Sprint um, has been purchased by T-Mobile and has a ton of mid-band spectrum, maybe they want to make it easier for themselves to not have to bid a very high price in the C-band auction. C-band is this big spectrum band that is expected to be used for 5G. It's hugely important for Verizon. So it sounds like where it looks like AT&T is casting their weight behind Verizon, which ultimately might lead to the inability of T-Mobile to to bid aggressively in the C-band auction. So that would be big news. And this was like, why today? Was there a reason why they came out today versus any other time? think so i mean the the quiet period was over in terms of the cbrs auction so that might have had something to do with it. they didn't want to talk about yeah. spectrum items until the quiet period um, was over but you know look verizon made a filing a couple of weeks ago it was kind of out of the blue for a deal that was done like five months prior so i, I think it's look we're, we're heading towards the end of the year the auction is, is quickly approaching um so Perfect. now's the time to, to set up to prevent t-mobile from bidding uh, they got to start drumming that uh, or beating that drum right now. When we, um, you know, I think when we think about um, what's happening next in the space, we've been talking for a few weeks about video games uh, obviously exploding. Last week we had Xbox Brandon sort of like on cue, I guess. Yep. One one platform can never do something without the other. And so oh, now we've got PS5. Like, yeah, you got the, you finally got the, uh, PS5 announcement this week with pricing, which actually kind of came after um, some of these uh, pre-sales started, which was a complete mess. Uh, you had GameStop. Um, but, but why don't they host like a big press conference? Why, why is there not like a big press no, conference? Like, no, no, so- no, no, no. There, there, there's press conference. It just, the, there was a little bit of a fumbling, uh, shall I say, in in the information coming out, um, which led to a surprise in the pre-sales and so on and so forth. But the bottom line here is when we look at PlayStation versus Xbox, as we discussed last week, PlayStation's focus is on exclusive content and the power of the console, whereas Xbox is focused on accessibility whether that means in terms of pricing and putting you know, subscription um, as part of the bundle, having um, the entry-level console $100 less than PS5's entry-level 
Um, Do you think it matters, though, that I can't get the subscription where I can basically almost finance it the way I can an Xbox? Like, does that matter or that's just a non-issue, the difference in pricing? Um, I don't know. I think that for some people, the difference in, in pricing is going to matter. And for for others, they're mo- more focused on exactly lo- like, look at this tweet. What did PS5, what did they say with their announcement? Ultra high speed SSD, ray tracing, 4K TV gaming, up to 120 frames per second with 120 hertz output, HDR technology, 8K. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. It it just means a much better um, visual and faster gameplay experience. That's what they're focused on. But if I have a 4K TV, it doesn't matter that there's an 8K output. No, not yet. When there is 8K TV, then it, then it will matter. But that's who PlayStation is appealing to, which has worked as the market share leader, whereas um, Xbox, again, is accessibility price and anywhere, anytime um, by adding the cloud feature. And, um, and, and that's pretty much it. I think it's good for the publishers either way. There seems to be some actual excitement around this console cycle. And to the extent that Xbox. Um, well, it seems like the timing is perfect, expands, right? Expands the TAM, then but, that's a positive thing. And yeah, well, I mean, look, hardware, gaming's exploding, right? So, like, more hardware, right? While everyone's playing games, seems like the perfect it's, time. It's good for the, for the hardware, for the console manufacturers. Um, sure. It, but they were coming out now no matter what. I guess it was just um, fortuitous that it happened. Can, can you just remind me before we move on, the, the, the difference between the two devices is that one comes with a physical disk drive. Why does anyone want to buy physical disks I, and stick them into a disk I, drive in 2020? Honestly, I have no idea. Um, maybe they have a poor internet connection. Um, I, I don't know. But that's, re- that's the only difference on, on the PlayStation console. Okay, let's move on. Verizon Track Fund, they're now the leader, Walt? Um, Verizon is, will now become the number one prepaid wireless operator in the United States before they were what I would call an also rad, maybe four or five million subs. You know, American Mobile, this huge Latin American wireless operator, has for a long time had this big MVNO, probably the most successful MVNO in the world. Well, maybe um, Liberty had a better one, but, you know, they've been piddling around at 10% margins. It recently went up to 15%, but basically selling out and Verizon gets a bunch of brands. This is really a way for um, Verizon to go after T-Mobile. These guys are queuing up um, to have a big battle in 5G with T-Mobile getting its more spectrum and Verizon hoping to do C-band. A very obvious transaction. It's kind of disappointing that um, T-Mobile or or AT&T didn't try and do this on their own. I think T-Mobile now, they probably couldn't do it. you know, prior to the, or after the Sprint deal, but they had many, many years that we, that we told all these management teams to take a look at this. Clearly they can just, Verizon could just buy this thing, move the traffic to their own network, huge synergies right off the bat. So, um, but really the 10,000 foot thing here is Verizon gives them another weapon to, to, to line up against uh, T-Mobile. So in terms of the overall expansion of the number of people that Verizon touches, how much how much of an impact is this? Like does this grow their overall base dramatically? I mean 26 million, 20, 22 million, whatever it is, subs and 
you know, Verizon's got well over a hundred million. So it doesn't That's necessarily move the revenue needle per se for Verizon, which is a huge company, but it adds a lot of distribution points and goes after a different segment of the market where Verizon has not had either that distribution um, or much success. There's another smaller version out there, consumer cellular. That's probably next up on the list. These are kind of, you know, safety users, people that don't use a lot of data um, based out of, I believe, Portland. Um, that'll probably be the next one on the, on, the, on the list for companies to look at to gain a little bit additional scale in this space. So we've got sort of a related story and they don't look related, but Sirius says their CEO is retiring and their CFO is leaving. Yep. We have another tweet on here that AMC Networks plans to commence a modified Dutch auction and tender for 250 million of stock. And the, the reason I put that up is that AMCX's CFO is actually going to Sirius. And so AMCX has lost a lot of executives over the last couple of years, head of strategy, head of the AMC network. Now their CFO uh, stock has obviously gotten crushed. They're buying back stock. It seems like to support the stock, sort of an odd thing. No, with- that if they wanted to support the stock rich, then they probably wouldn't have done the modified Dutch auction. They probably would have just you know, continuously bought stock in the marketplace. I mean, this is the same strategy that Greg Siebert employed at MSG Networks, which is to be able to buy a lot of stock at once at a price that I guess he is probably making the decision, sees as attractive. Um, it did not work out for MSG Networks. I think the tender was up to $16.70 or something like that. And Stocks I, under 10. Yeah, stocks under 10 right now. So that hasn't worked out uh, thus far. I know that Greg is kind of one of those um, guys who's probably sitting with his with his little DCF um, doing a runoff of, of the business and seeing where free cash flow is coming out and whether he thinks the stock is, is a good deal or not. But, you know, you, and you could certainly do that analysis on AMCX. But you could do a special dividend the, too. That's No, no, but that's the right analysis to do, whether you're talking special, but for buyback in general to see if it's accretive. Um, the question is, what does that assume in terms of sub losses um, in the model? What does that assume in terms of production costs and other kind of uh, control- controllable yeah. um, costs? I, um, I, I just don't buy it. I, I, don't, I, I, honestly. I, don't, I don't know where, where his model's coming out. Um, but yeah, but I, but but I want to go back to AMC back is in a, is a donut at some point. It's just a matter but, of point. But but the problem is is like you know we literally I don't know, I guess it was sixteen seventeen months ago Fox thought their subscriber losses annually yeah, would be two percent and now, and now they're probably yeah. going to be seven to eight percent and so yep. I don't know how anybody runs a DCF honestly when we are out of bounds. It's, it's called stress testing, Rich. Uh, okay, but I don't know you, what it, the assumption again. I don't know what the assumptions are. I haven't run this through the model. Y- you it, and I went to a discovery analyst meeting probably four years ago, where they said the worst case their their bear uh, case course, on subscriber no, losses was four percent. Rich, we 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 know that. I, you and I need to obviously sit down and take a look at the model, which we haven't done as of yet. I don't know if they run this for cash whether this stock price is attractive or not. I, I honestly don't know because I haven't done the math. 
Um, my guess is it's. I'm just saying I don't not. believe the math. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't. I don't believe the math. I think is my bigger issue. But I don't right. know, let's let's move on well, to the serious side just, of this. Yeah, is yeah, is the serious say. side matter? Like, does yeah. does Jim Meyer leaving matter? I think it does. I think Jim Meyer is known as an awesome operator, and you know he's done a, a pretty awesome job um, building upon. Um, Siri's great uh, business model there, but him leaving, what is he like 66 or something years? I don't know the, his exact age years old and he's wanted to leave for a little while. And, you know, he's finally stepping away. I think uh, he's 64, 64. 64. Okay. So not that old. I mean, I don't know if he wants to be (laughs) younger than Josh Shapin at AMCX. Who's 69 years old. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing there anymore, though. Just kind of sitting there waiting for the clock to run out on the company. Um, But David Freer probably got passed over for the role. They hired Jennifer Witz, who was their president of sales and marketing and operations, who's probably that real operator type like like James Meyer was. And um, I don't know. The, the biggest issue there is figuring out how to expand the mobile funnel and integrating some of these digital apps that they've either invested in or acquired, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever. I don't know. I don't know her. I don't know if she is um, the right person for, for that job or not. But, you know, that's, that's where the future of, uh, of Siri is going to be made or not. That's what's well, going to tell us whether there's a real terminal value there or not. As much as I, by the way, love Sirius, now that I have a car and I'm like driving around, I listen to Sirius every time I'm in the car. Well, now you're talking about Sirius getting into new forms of content like podcasting. We've seen Spotify get into podcasting, their biggest hire yet. Joe Rogan, who went live on Spotify a few weeks ago, he's already become, I know, Brandon, you were sort of surprised that early on he wasn't at number one. He's now the number one podcast on Spotify. So not just off of Spotify, but now on Spotify as well. Uh, But he's already getting himself into trouble uh, with sort of the content of the Joe Rogan podcast. I think when it went live, Spotify actually removed some of the interviews like the Alex Jones interview he did. It didn't put it in the catalog and took some abuse from, um, you know, the right uh, or broadly the right. Uh, and, you know, now we've got questions over employees being sort of upset with the content of the Joe Rogan uh, podcast and supposedly Daniel Ek having to do some, uh, you know, quote unquote, damage control. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I guess I, you, you knew what you were getting into hiring Joe Rogan exclusively. I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised that Joe's. Yeah, uh, no one knew he was is... going to fully turn into Alex Jones. So. Uh, you know, in terms of conspiracy theories, <laughs> you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, look, <laughs> I, I don't, it added I, a lot of value to Spotify stock, though. So they sort of got to figure this. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, this is in one way. This is getting more people to listen to Joe Rogan on Spotify and to call attention to Spotify. I'm not sure this is the attention they wanted, but it's certainly raising the interest level in podcasting on Spotify. I guess just probably, I mean, just look, probably not the content look, they were hoping for. Fox News has like the best ratings on television, so. You know, uh, that's fair. Um, Walter, thoughts on Joe Rogan? Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm an Apple Music user. No, I'm just kidding. 
I, I'm, I'm not really, I haven't really listened. Other than, um, oh, you liked interview. Elon when Elon was on, you loved yeah, that. The, the Elon interview was, was amazing, but I'm not really a, uh, a Rogan listener. Okay. Let's, let's move on to our last topic, which is a Walt special. We have a double hitter or, you know, we have a, a, a double card of Marcelo. Well, this is less about Marcelo and I guess more about Massa, which is that Marcelo came into the SoftBank family through a uh, $1.5 billion acquisition of his company, Brightstar. And Brightstar, as you may not or may not Dark know, Star? they do, not Darkstar, they, they do a, uh, they basically refurb phones. It's like kind of a whatever process thing. And they had some margins. Those margins kind of disappeared when they started becoming doing a lot of processing stuff for Sprint. Um, so now the thing is sold. It generates $9 billion in revenue, but can't muster a profit. But Marcelo has obviously gone on to better things, running and selling Sprint, and now is the CEO and, and board director um, of SoftBank. But uh, you know, this is, continues the pace of SoftBank just kind of uh, dumping assets and, and getting cash. There was a press report earlier in the week about them contemplating going private, um, which is a, you know, a big turnaround from how they viewed things in the past. So I guess very succinctly put, here's another unicorn that sold for an undisclosed price, which I'm assuming means not very much. Meaning it, it's not a unicorn anymore is what I should safely assume, Walt? The unicorn did not make it over that <laughs> COVID pit from slide 21 on the last SoftBank presentation. No wings. <laughs> no wings on that. No wings on that. His wings were clipped. Okay, part number two. It worked out, uh, but it worked out quite well for Marcelo. What about oh, this study, Walt? Here's another tweet um, that Marcelo himself tweeted. We were conducted a global study and found that 90% of respondents wanted to return to work at least one day per week. 20% of that group wanted to return a full five days per week. Per week. Here's, here's my question on that. Was it people, was the study based on people who still have their reworks and haven't given them up like we have? Because that there would be some selection bias there. Um, do not know the size of the sample. <laughs> <laughs> and who the sample was. Who the sample was sent to. Um, so yeah. it's like maybe... Maybe all our churn is is has happened already, and we right. of our remaining of our we're gonna, remaining we're gonna users. push off the very very low bottom now, the bottom of the unicorn pit. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, amazing. I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, we have, good luck. Do we have any the, more? No, the only the, the only thing we have is breaking news, uh, which is oh. uh, that literally just crossed the tape. That Joe Rogan just did an Instagram live where he apologized to all of his listeners for his commentary about Portland. So the Alex Jones ish type comment, he apologized saying it was false and he apologized to listeners. So my my gut instinct, my gut instinct, I didn't watch it. I just see the I see the Instagram post that just went up. My guess is, is that Spotify is sort of bringing down the hammer and like you if you want to honor your contract my gut is they're basically making sure he stays within some level of guardrails but we'll we'll obviously see as this plays out but it's certainly interesting that as quickly as you so found he's that saying other tweet, it was it it was fake news Man, so so does this uh, mean that it says hold on i'll read it i fucked up on the podcast with I douglas know. murray 
and said that people got arrested lighting fires important. That turns out to not be true. I was very irresponsible, not looking into it before I repeated it. I read one story about a guy getting arrested for lighting fires that turned out to be true. But the other shit I read about people getting arrested for lighting fires in Portland was not true. I repeated it without looking into it, and it was a really fucking stupid mistake that won't happen again. I'm sorry. I'd like to know where he read that. And what is he reading? What are his sources? Yeah, well, I think that's actually a good follow-up question. What exactly? Breitbart, what else? Yeah, let's just tell us what what is it that you are reading that you're getting this information. Right. He certainly isn't reading. He's definitely not reading CNN, that's for sure, or the New York Times. We know that. We can probably trace where those (laughs) stories came from. We probably could. Um, Okay. It's uh, this has been a long podcast, probably it our has. longest. Yeah, it, I think it's, this has been long. We've been gone long. This was I, I, uh, episode twenty two. Much fun though, Rich, and I'm gonna uh, miss this was fun. Hit one point five. Happy on your New podcast. Year, Rich. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs>